follow you this morning. Amen. Let me pray. Amen. Uh, we went on a road trip this week. Uh, my, my grandfather passed away last week. He was 94 years old, and so we drove um, seven hours to Ohio, uh, spent Monday through Thursday. It was seven below zero in Ohio, guys. If you guys, if I ever get like cranky about being here, just send me back to Ohio for a few days in the winter and I will be thrilled to come back, right? Uh, and so uh, we spent a few days in Ohio. It was awful. I don't know why anyone would ever want to live there. Uh, it was so bad. Uh, and, and we were really in close proximity with my family, um, which also makes me want to come back to Atlanta. Uh, and, and so everybody was kind of gathered together. It was tight. And, 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 and all of our family got sick, except for Claire. Claire has like an iron immune system and she never gets sick. Uh, but all of us got sick. And so we've all got these colds. We're all coughing. We all have sore throats or achy all over. Anybody feeling that this week? I think it's going around. Yeah, don't cough on us, please. Uh, and, and so we're all not feeling great. And we jumped in the car and we're just exhausted right? My family does not, like, my family, when it comes to funerals, we go hard, right? We, like, I don't know about your family, but we, like, we're going to be with each other every second of the day. We are going to eat meals. We are going to cry. We are going to tell stories. We are going to hug. We are going to make sure that we squeeze a year of time into these four days and make sure that everybody's close. And so everybody was just in tight, everybody coughing, everybody, like, we were exhausted, and we got in the car on Thursday and started driving back home, and, and I was like pushing through, right? I don't know if you've ever pushed through, but I, uh, I, I, was, I was pushing through. I was like, Lord, I am sore, I'm tired, just like keep me awake. Sarah and I bought a book on tape that we listened to the whole time, uh, uh, and, and we're just driving through, and, and we hit Georgia, and like, it, was like, it was like the sweet, beautiful sign of Georgia. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm like, I'm at peace. I'm at home. It's not, it wasn't minus seven degrees. I looked at the temperature. It was like 30. And I was like, oh, that's horrible for Georgia, but it's wonderful for the rest of the world, apparently. Right. And, and so, so we, we get there and, and not, I'm not kidding. I was, I was like, I looked at the clock. It was like an hour and 15 minutes to get home. And then I started seeing signs that said ahead, one lane. And at this point, my oldest son and my youngest daughter decided they were going to go to war. <laughs> right? There is fighting in the car and there are wars in the car, parents. You know what I'm talking about? It turned into like war, like threat level midnight, right? It was like, it was like code red going on in the backseat. Like they were just so mad at each other. Claire wasn't sick and Cole was sick and he wasn't covering his mouth when he coughed and he was getting too close to her. And, and they were just, and I was ready to murder my children. I was so done. And I looked at the clock and, and you know, I had ways going and it just kept getting longer and longer. And it, it was like an hour and 15 and then it was like two hours and then it was like two and a half and then it was like 14 hours, right? And, and I'm not kidding. I just, I was sitting in the car and I thought to myself, this is what I thought. I thought, you know those autopilot cars? I thought I would pay every penny I have to have one of those right now. Like if I could just like, Get that Tesla or whatever and just press a button. I don't know how they work because we don't have that kind of money, right? But if I could just press a button right now and go to sleep and just put this on autopilot and let the road take me home, 
I would give every possession I have. I would have given my house, right? You, Jacob and Esau, like giving your cup of soup, right? I would have done anything for the autopilot car at that point in the day. I was so, so exhausted. And this morning, I was just thinking about this like autopilot thing. I, I think there's times when we're traveling down the road of life and we have just pressed the autopilot button and we're just going through life and we're not paying any attention to where God is leading or what's going on or what's happening. I, I think one of the greatest weaknesses of the American church is that we live on autopilot. I, I think there's so many of us in this room who, 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 who know Jesus, who walk with him, who are sons and daughters of the Most High, but do not know how to allow him to interrupt our days that do not know how to allow him to lead you down a side road. So the moment that Waze said, there's a side road here, you can get off and it will shorten, you know that when it pops up, that little thing that says, this will shorten your path by 15 minutes, I press the button immediately. Like, I don't wanna miss this. I will go down any side road. And I think there's, a, there's an awareness that I wanna grow in that when I'm walking through my everyday life, when the Father, when, when, when God wants me to go on a side road, when he's leading me to love someone or to care for someone or to pray for someone or do anything, I wanna be so aware that the moment when he speaks, I press that button and say, all right, I'm going. But more often than not, I'm on autopilot. Are you with me? More often than not, I, I, I'm, I'm just driving along the path and, I, and I'm, 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 I'm committed to the road that I'm on and it doesn't matter how long it's gonna take, I'm just doing my thing. And so I wake up every day and it feels like I'm living the same life over and over and over again. It's like a groundhog day kind of thing going on. Instead of living into the adventure of a life that the Father's called us to. I think our young people are bored with the faith. And the reason they are is because we haven't shown them the side roads. The reason they are is because we haven't shown them that there is an adventure that's awaiting for us, that there is a, a still small voice ringing in our ear that's calling us to God's people. And when God speaks, here's the beauty of when God speaks, it's not just for us, it's for others. It's not just for us, it's for others. We've grown up in such an individualistic, consumeristic culture in America that we believe that when God speaks, it's only for us. So our obedience is about us. We believe that the reason we obey is so that we receive power, so that we receive strength, so that we receive blessings, so that we get some goodness from God. The reason that we obey is so that we know him more, so that we follow him more closely. The reason that we obey is, is, is for us, but oftentimes the reason that we obey is for somebody else. We, we take our cave time, our quiet time, our alone time with God, and we say, this is just for me. Lord, fill me up. Give me a word for today. Give me encouragement for today. Guide me, direct me, help me deal with my kids who are at war in the back seat. Like, give me all this stuff. But we don't ever stop to say, Lord, give me something for somebody else. I, I'm, I've been teaching my kids to pray for the last 16 years. And one of the things that we do is, is I ask them every single night to pray. And I ask them this, this real simple thing. I want you to ask Jesus for something for you. Something that's just for you. I want you to ask him for it. Whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're praying about, if you're sick and want to be healed, pray for healing. If you're tired and want to have energy, pray for energy. If you're angry and want to be happy, pray for happiness. And then I want you to pray for somebody else. And I want you to understand that oftentimes what we pray for for somebody else, we become the answer to. We don't just pray that God will do something apart from us. We pray as if we are part of the solution. 
In Jeremiah chapter 18, um, the, the prophet Jeremiah says this. It says, this is the word that came from Jeremiah from the Lord. He said, go down to the potter's house and I will give you my message. So I went to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. I saw the potter working at the wheel, but the pot he was shaping from the clay had marred his hand, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as what seemed best for him. So here's what's happening. This is, this is a beautiful image of what God does to us in the cave and then when we obey on the road. Is he molds us. He shapes us. He creates us into his image. And he teaches us to be pliable. He teaches us to listen to him. He teaches us to be flexible. He teaches us that our will is not the ultimate will in this world, but his will is. And when we surrender our lives to him, when we give our lives to Jesus, we give him to him not just so that he can be our savior, but also so that he can be our Lord, which means that our lives no longer belong to us. They've been bought at a price and they belong to him. And so we surrender our lives to him every single day and say, Lord, make me pliable, teach me. Verse five, it says, then the word of the Lord came to him and he said, can I not do with Israel as the potter does, declares the Lord. Like the clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hands, Israel. The reason God wants us to be aware of the side roads is because he wants to shape us. It's because he wants to teach us. It's because he wants to make us into his own image. Um, how many of you have kids that are like, I don't know, like between the ages of like one and three. Like you're doing the car seat battle. Any of you guys doing that? Uh, my, my, my kids, especially Claire, because she's the most strong-willed of all of them. Um, my kids, when, from like, for like a two-year period of time, every time I would say it's time to get in the car seat, they would go, uh, Evan called it Frankenstein mode. They would go Frankenstein mode, right? Which just means like they tighten up their body as much as possible so that it's impossible to get an arm through a strap and it's impossible to move them and they just tighten up and do that. And so you cannot get them in the seat. Some of you young people are looking at me like I'm crazy. Just wait till you have kids, right? This is going to happen to you. It happened for two years. And I was always worried I was gonna like snap off her arm or something, right? I'm like... We're doing this, we're getting in there, right? I was always worried that I'm gonna break my child's arm putting him in the car seat because she just straight up just like. This is oftentimes, I think, our posture with the Lord. We're so caught up in our schedule, so caught up in what's ahead of us, and the Lord's like, no, you're the clay, and I'm the potter, and I wanna shape you, and I wanna make you pliable, and I wanna make you flexible, and I'm like, no, but I, Lord, have you seen my calendar today? Right? I'm like, no, Lord, have you seen, like, I've got so much stuff going on. I gotta write a sermon for Sunday. I gotta, I gotta meet with these people. I've got these phone calls that I gotta. And he's like, no, 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 no. I wanna shape you. And when you learn to hear my voice and obey, something begins to happen in you. The, the fundamental principle of leadership is disruption. Think about that. Anytime we wanna grow in something, the way that we grow is we, we allow our lives to be disrupted. It's the only way we grow. We live into something different. Um, I, I always talk about dribbling with your left hand. I'm a basketball player, I was a basketball, I'm not a basketball player anymore. I was a basketball coach, I used to be a basketball player. And, and, uh, and, and, and when I played, I, I learned to play with my right hand, I'm right-handed. 
And so I learned to play the game with my right hand. Those of you who played basketball, you learn with your strong hand. And then what happens is as you reach a certain age, right, like seventh, eighth, ninth grade, you have to start learning to go left. Um, so as a basketball coach, whenever I coach the lower age brackets, I always tell them, don't guard your man straight forward. Like, just get on their right shoulder and guard them there. Because every kid that's between the ages of like six to seventh grade only dribbles with their strong hand. So you're gonna get more steals if you just guard their strong hand. They don't know how to dribble with their weak hand yet. So when I was a freshman in high school, my coach made me actually practice with my hand behind my back like this. He, he would only allow me to dribble with my left hand. It didn't help that I was a freshman and I weighed 83 pounds and was the same height that I am now. I also could only dribble with my weak hand. But what happened was as I began to dribble with my weak hand, I started to get stronger in it. I started to learn how to do something new. God, or my coach, disrupted my life so that I could grow in something. God does exactly the same thing to us. He disrupts us so that we can grow. Leadership is all about disruption. And leadership is all about allowing our lives to be interrupted. That's how we grow. And so I wanna ask some tough questions this morning. And here's a tough question. Like, when was the last time God spoke and you did something that was really risky? When was the last time you wrote a check that you couldn't pay for? Whether like physically, (laughs) or even like stepped into something that you didn't know what you were getting into? When was the last time you did something that was weird or risky or crazy or didn't make sense, but you just sensed the Lord was leading and guiding you and so you did? This is how we grow. I I believe the presence of, when God comes close, it should be a little scary to us. Are you with me? It should be a little scary, not because God is angry, not because he's vengeful, not because he's retributive, not because he's angry, but because he's gonna mess with us, because he wants us to grow, because he's calling us into spaces where we're not comfortable, because he's asking us to do announcements when we don't wanna do announcements. Give it up for Silvana, right? That's why, because God's moving us into spaces where we're not comfortable so that we grow. He calls us to those spaces. He pushes us into those spaces, and he says, this is what's gonna happen. I love the the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. C.S. Lewis wrote this beautiful piece, and and in this piece, um, Mr. Beaver is talking to the little girl. What's the little girl's name? Uh, Anne, Susan. Susan, and she's telling him, he's telling her about Aslan, and he says, listen, he he tells him that he's a lion, and she's like, I've never met a lion before. That would be scary, and he says, yes, he is scary, but he's also good. That's what the presence of God should feel like. It should feel like God is stretching us. He's pulling us. It's like this rubber band that gets stretched, and it doesn't stretch so far that it snaps back, but it, doesn't, but it stretches far enough that it actually gets stretched. We are being stretched by the Father over and over again, and here lies the challenge. We will never allow ourselves to be stretched if we believe that the only reason we go on the road is for our own sake. We need to understand that we are stretched because there's somebody else that needs me to be stretched. 
If you are in a season right now where you feel like God is stretching you, where you feel like, I don't know if I can take anymore, where you feel like you're being pulled beyond your ability to be pulled, where you feel like you're dribbling with your left hand and you're tired of dribbling with your left hand, then you're doing it because God is calling you to lead somebody out of their place of the desert. He's calling you to be somebody else's breakthrough. Romans chapter 8 says, for those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your, your adoption to your sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. We cry, Daddy. And the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. When God begins to stretch us, here's what happens. Our identity gets formed. When God begins to pull us, we start to realize whose we are, what we belong to. We start to realize that we're heirs. We start to realize that we are not adopted kids that are being pushed out, that God's waiting to use or abuse or do something with, but we are beloved children who he wants the best for. I, I, this, this passage in Romans 8 always gets me because my daughter's adopted, and she carries with her an orphan spirit. You guys can pray for her. I, we've been praying with her for years. But she's nine years old and she still feels like she has to earn her place in our family. She still feels like she has to win every competition. She still feels like her brothers get little things that she doesn't get and she's, she's slided in all these different ways and she's gotta fight and she's gotta win and she's gotta achieve in order to love. And I'm like, no baby, I love you. You don't have to do anything. You are my beloved. I actually like her much more than I like my boys. <laughs> Man. I'm just kidding, Colin Caden. Uh, I, 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 but but we, we carry with us this orphan spirit. And when we carry with us this orphan spirit, what we do is we believe that when we're stretched or when God's calling us to a side road, that he's doing it to punish us or to hurt us. We have to understand that being led by the spirit is being led by a good father. It's being led by a dad who loves you and wants to come close and wants to give you your identity. He wants to give you your, his authority. He wants to give you your sonship or your daughtership and he wants you to understand that you are co-heirs with him and that everything that is his is available to you. I love the story of the prodigal son. The father runs to him, he wraps the robe around him and he gives him the robe and the ring. He reestablishes his place in the family and says, you are my son. This is the dad that we serve. And there's times when we get stretched and it feels a little scary, but he's with us and he's beside us. Verse 17, it says, now if we are children, then we're also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might share in his glory. So I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. For, and I, I, this, is, this is amazing passage. For creation waits with eager anticipation for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Listen, if you don't hear anything else I say, listen to this. The spirit of the living God is asking you to travel down the side roads. And there's somebody that's waiting for you to be there. Someone is waiting for you to be obedient. Somebody is waiting for you to hear the voice of the Father and listen and respond and go down those side roads because he's working. And so our pattern becomes this pattern of listening and obeying. That's what discipleship is. It's, it's learning to hear the voice of the Father and when he speaks, we obey. It's so simple. 
yet so difficult, right? It's learning to follow him where he leads. So James chapter one, verse 22 says, don't just listen to the word and deceive yourselves, but be doers of it. And so oftentimes what we do is we get in the cave and we hear from the Lord, we listen to him, we write down, we journal some things, we're excited about it, but that what we do in the cave doesn't lead us to the road. And I wanna walk in step with the spirit. I wanna walk with him so that I know his still small voice that's calling me or leading me or guiding me or directing me. I wanna obey and I wanna listen. And some of us have never actually lived out our faith on the road. In Acts chapter eight, there's this story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. We just got done preaching Acts for a thousand weeks. Uh, and, 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 and this was one of my favorite parts of the, of the whole book of Acts is Philip, just the passage says, led by the Spirit, goes into the desert. Like how many of us in our time are willing to actually go into the desert when the Spirit leads? How many of us are actually willing to go to a place where we don't know what's gonna happen? How many of us are willing to go to a place that, that seems barren, that seems empty, that seems dry, that seems difficult, that seems challenging? How many of us are willing to actually travel into any place when the Spirit leads? And Philip shows up in the desert, and as he's in the desert, this Ethiopian eunuch's riding by in a chariot, and he says, I just went to the temple, and when I went to the temple, they wouldn't let me in because I'm a eunuch, but I'm reading this passage, and I don't know what this passage means. How am I supposed to understand? How am I supposed to know? And Philip opens his eyes to the word of God, walks with him, baptizes him, and all of a sudden, the word of the Lord goes to Ethiopia. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth, Ethiopia in that time was known as the ends of the earth. And also my daughter's from Ethiopia, so I'm incredibly thankful that there is a legacy of our faith in Ethiopia because Philip went out in the desert. Sometimes we don't go out in the desert and somebody else misses the breakthrough. It's not always, I, I, I'm, I, I have to tell myself this all the time, so I'm not afraid to tell you guys this. I love you all, but it's not always about you. It's not always about us. And what he, here's what God does. He teaches us to be his body. Like he, he, he moves us, like he, he treats us as a father, he loves us as a father, he treats us as a friend, but then he invites us to actually become him. Like we act, so, so John starts with Jesus being the word made flesh. He's actually the word of God, the promises of God, the, the spirit of God, all of it put on flesh. And then he invites us to do the same. So we become the word in flesh, the word incarnate to the people around us. And we go and we lead and we love and we become his hands and we see with his eyes and we understand with his mind and our heart breaks for the things that break his. And if you wanna learn how to pray, start praying that you'll have his eyes, that you'll have his heart, that you'll have his ears, that you'll be able to hear things that nobody else hears, that you'll be able to see things that nobody else is seeing, that you'll be able to discern things that nobody else can discern, that you'll be able to know things that nobody else knows because he tells you because you've took on his flesh and you become his person every single one of you you are here for a reason you live in the neighborhood that you live in for a reason sometimes I don't understand why we live 30 minutes away that way it's an irritating drive but I know that God has called me to the neighborhood that I'm in with the neighbors that I live next to for a reason 
I know that my kids go to the schools that they go to for a reason. I know that I drive. I know that I stop at the same dumb gas stations for a reason. You understand that? Like we just go through our life as like we don't pay attention, but I, I interact with the same guy at the gas station three times a week. Some of you, you're barista. You, you, you're, you're there every single week and you're just ordering a coffee. Maybe the spirit of the Lord is calling you to do something else. Maybe God's asking us to be the desert, to go into the desert, to be Philip to these people. And, and, and we're so cut off. And sometimes it's just weird. I was driving the other day and, and, and I, I hate shopping. Any men with me? I, I just like, I, I don't want to go to a store. I think Ikea is hell on earth. I, you can't get out of it, right? It's just like hell. You can't get out of it. It's, it's never ending, just like hell. And there's lots of floral things. Uh, I, I don't, I, it's, it's so bad. I, and, and so I'm driving the other day. This was like, it's like a couple months ago. And the Lord was like, I want you to go to Target. And I'm not kidding. I had a meeting and I, I just dropped off my son. My son goes to school over here. Target's over here. And the Lord was like, I want you to go to Target. And I was like, okay, Lord. So I, I, I actually listen, like, and this may sound really weird, and this doesn't happen very often, but I just really felt a sense of the spirit of the living God like inviting me to do this. And so I, I went and I was walking around Target. And there's this guy, and the Lord was like, I want you to tell that guy that you are the answers to his prayers. <laughs> and I was like, Lord, that is really weird. <laughs> And that guy's gonna think I'm hitting on him. <laughs> and like, is there any way I can get out of this? Like, can I call one of the interns and ask them to do it? Can I, like, like is, there, is there something, like, come on, Lord. And, and the Spirit of the Lord was like, I want you to do it, I want you to do it. And I'm not kidding, guys. I, I walked up to the guy, I was like, hey, how are you? And he was like, hey, I'm good. And he had a Miami of Ohio sweatshirt on. And I was like, hey, I know Miami of Ohio. And I told him my brother-in-law went there and that my parents, my, my mother and father-in-law went there and, and just started talking to him and, and I couldn't get it out. Yeah, I couldn't say it. And I, I was disobedient. And I was like, all right, have a good day. And the Lord was like, tell him, tell him. I was like, no, uh-uh. <laughs> I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it. And I drove off. And I don't, I don't know what would have happened. I, I might have gotten arrested. Uh, like, I, I don't know what would have happened in that moment. But who knows what the Lord was going to do in that person's life. And, and here's what I realized. Like, I, I didn't love him enough to say what was true. I, I think there's two reasons why we're not obedient to the voice of the Father in our life. One is, is that we don't believe that we have enough power and two is that we don't have enough love. So I didn't believe in the power of God in that moment that he was up to something and that he was working. I just thought it was weird and I didn't wanna do it. I don't know if any of you guys have been in those situations or weird things like that, but I, I just didn't, I didn't trust the Lord enough. And I didn't believe in his power and I didn't love the guy enough to actually say what was true. These, these moments happen all the time where the Lord's like, I want you to pray with that person. I don't know that person, God. It's okay, just go up and pray with them. And I'm like, come on, Lord. Can I just, can I pray with people I know? Can I not go to Target? 
can I, can you, can you like lead me into some things that are actually happening on my schedule that's on like my Google machine and in my phone and can I, can you give me some easier things? And the more I know him, the closer I get to him, the more challenging these side roads are. And I, I so uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, it says, for the spirit of God, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I, I would actually say a healthy sign of any church, like a healthy church culture has these two things, the power of God and the love of God. Are you with me? Like there is the power of the presence of God. God is up to something. He's doing something. He's working. We're encountering him. We're experiencing him. Breakthrough's coming. We're seeing prayers answered. Like God's moving in really cool ways. All of that stuff is happening, by the way. There's a bunch of people in our community who are coming to me and saying, like, God's speaking to me in these crazy ways all of a sudden. I've had people come up to me in the last few weeks that said, for the first time in my life, I'm having dreams, and God's giving me these dreams and visions, and I don't know what to do with them. There's all of these things that are beginning to happen. The power of God is working, but the power of God has to walk with the love of God. I I don't know if you've ever been uh, around a leader or a culture where there is power and there is authority and there is giftedness, but there is not love. And, And what you get there is power without love gives you authority. And so there's some strength, there's some answers, there's some truth, there's some giftedness, there's some living into things, but it doesn't come associated with love. I had a lot of basketball coaches that did this, right? They knew the game, they shouted at me a lot, they cussed like Bobby Knight, right? But they did not love me and I didn't respond to them. The other side is is sometimes what we have is we have cultures of love without power. So, So we love everybody, Right? Everybody's cared for, everybody feels safe, everybody feels secure, everybody feels loved, but the problem is we're not going anywhere and we're not doing anything. We're driving safely down our main road, loving everybody, but nobody's going off on any side roads to follow the Spirit because we're all safe on the main road. And so this is how we create holy huddles. This is how the church becomes insulated. This is how we become, like, small groups do this, churches do this, denominations do this, all of us do this. We get in this self-protective mode where we want to protect ourselves, love ourselves, but we don't want to go because going is scary. And what happens here is we become attached. Some of that attachment is really healthy and good. Like, I've got friends that love me. I've got people that care about me. But some of that attachment becomes codependency. I'm dependent on somebody else to live out my spiritual journey. I'm dependent on somebody else to be obedient so that I don't have to. I always, I always laugh when, when, when people, uh, like, I, my aunt was a missionary for many, many years in China, and she would say the thing that drove her the most crazy is when people would come up to her and write her a check and say, I'm giving you this check. Here's this check because I don't want to go where you go, but here's some money. That's codependency. (laughs) They're living out their faith through somebody else. I'm not gonna go and follow where the Lord leads, but I'll give you some, some dollars. And maybe God hasn't called you to that specific place. Maybe he's not asked you to go to the same place that that other person has. It's good to give generously, right? It's good to fund missionaries and do these things. But if we're not going anywhere and we're just sitting around funding other people to live out the faith that we're supposed to live, then we're missing the boat. 
What happens when we don't have power or love is we're anemic. Our muscles just don't have any mass to them. They can't move, they can't produce, like we get nowhere. It's like running in the, in the swimming pool, <laughs> right? You're just, you're not getting anywhere. You're just standing there and you're churning and working and moving, but you're not producing any weight and you're not going anywhere. And then finally, when we have cultures of, of power and love, what we do is we advance. We advance the kingdom of God. Scripture says the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful men take hold of it. I love that image, right? I'm a little bit of a fighter, guys. I like that feisty image of like the kingdom of God is looking for some fighters who will go off on side roads and who will pray with weird people in Target, right? The, 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 the person wasn't weird. We'll pray when God tells you to do weird things in Target, right? The spirit of God is leading us into all of these different places and, and, and we have to get to a place where we say, I actually trust your power enough to obey and I actually love enough to obey. And so today, this is, this is like the only thing the Lord gave me this week. Um, I, I think there's, I, I just wanna pray for this because I, I, I think there's people in this room who just doubt the power of God. I think there's people that think I'm crazy because I just told some of those stories and are like, God never speaks to me that way. And I would love for you to pray that the power of God speaks to you this week. I'd love for you to get a weird invitation to Target this week, right? I would love for, the, for God to start like unleashing some things and for you to start experiencing his power. What, what, what happens with the Father is, is, is we move from being like followers to friends. And as we move to become his friends, then we have access to his stuff. Like we have fridge rights with the Lord. Like he gives us what he has. There's this beautiful thing um, in, in Exodus. In, in Exodus, Moses gets this staff. He stands at the burning bush and he gets the staff of God. And God gives him this beautiful staff and says, I want you to take this and this is gonna be what you're gonna do the miracles with. So when anybody questions, you pull out the staff and then the staff turns into a snake, remember? And he picks it up and he goes... And every time I'd watch like the Charlton Heston movies or like the Prince of Egypt cartoon, it's always Moses' staff that's doing the miracles, isn't it? You know whose staff actually does the miracles? It's Aaron's. I, this blew my mind when I read it the other day. I, I may be way behind, but I always thought it was Moses, right? Are you with me? Anybody else or is it just me? I always thought it was Moses, but, but the very first time the first plague comes and they stand before Pharaoh, God says to Moses, use Aaron's staff. And all of a sudden, Aaron gets the same gift that Moses had. So I believe this. We get the gifts of who we're with. And there's a bunch of gifted people in here who are able to hear from God, who are able to, to discern what God is doing, who are able to be led by him. There's people in here who are dreaming dreams. There's people here who are healing people with their prayers. There's crazy, ridiculous things happening through the spirit of God in this place. And it's all available to all of us because you get what you have when you're with another group. I think some of you are Moses and God's calling you today to give your staff to Aaron. I think he wants you just to find somebody and pray for him, pray for the gifts. Pray that they'll receive something. I think some of you are errands and you're looking around the room like, I don't get any of this. I don't understand any of this, but that sounds cool to me. Can I do that? I ask God for that all the time. I'm still praying. I want to heal cancer, guys. I'm still praying for that. 
right? We've got all this cancer nonsense going on in our community, and I've been praying for the last six months, Lord, can I, can I pray and can, can somebody get healed by that? Like, can I be the one that gets to do that this time? He hasn't answered yet, but I'm praying that he does. If somebody can heal cancer, come and pray for me because I want to be able to do it too. I'm not kidding. And so we want to pray for one another that we actually have the power. And then there's others of us in this room, and it's not that we don't have the power, it's that we need to grow in our love. It's that we actually have some level of giftedness. We just, our heart doesn't break for the people of the world. Our heart doesn't break for our neighbors. Our heart doesn't break so that we take the side roads or get off our track or we're so busy doing the things that we're doing that we, we just don't know how to drift because we don't love enough. Now listen, this is, this is a hard word. I, I hope it's a hard word for you to receive because what I'm suggesting is that in this place, we need to grow in our power and we need to grow in our love. But here's what I want to happen. I want us to grow with those things side by side. I, I don't want us to, to just grow in our authority but not grow in our love. And I don't want us to just grow in our love but not grow in our power. I want to experience all of that. Are you with me? And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take communion and we're going to come to the front. And um, I, I just want to invite you to pray with one another. Some of you are visiting, and we're so glad that you're here. I hope you still come to Encounter Grace. I promise I won't pray weird things over here or anything. Uh, but I, I want to just make some space for the Lord here. And, and I want to invite you to actually, you know what, let's, let's do it this way. If, if you want to grow in, in power, will you just raise your hand right now? If you want to grow in power, will you just raise your hand? If you want to grow in love, will you just raise your hand right now? I like it that many of you raise your hand for both of them. That's good. That's good. I want both of them also. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to come to the altar. We're going to take the bread and take the juice and understand that the risen Savior is ready to meet us today. That we are not adopted children. We are co-heirs. We are his sons, and we are his daughters. And you know what God loves to do? He loves to give good gifts to his kids. So when we ask, when our hearts align with the kingdom, when we ask, he gives us what we want. When we seek him, he comes close. There you are, God. There you are. And so, Father, I pray today that there would be an outpouring of your spirit on this place. I pray that you would pour out your gifts all over us. I pray for more visions. I pray for more prophecy. I pray for more healings. Lord, I want to heal somebody from cancer. Can we do that? I, I want more of you and more of your power and more of your strength operating. I pray that for everybody in this room that has a level of giftedness, I pray that you would stretch them in their giftedness so that their gift becomes your power exuded through them. But we also want your love, Lord. We want to love this community with all of your heart. Lord, I, I pray that you would teach us to love Cobb County. God, I pray that over the coming weeks, that just as we drive through our neighborhoods, you lead us to tears because we're starting to have your heart for our communities. I pray that we would love our co-workers. I pray that we would love our family. I pray that we would love the people in the room. I pray that we would love for people that we don't know. And I pray that your love would lead us to the side roads that your love would guide us and direct us to loving and serving and caring and laying down ourselves for others. I pray that you would increase and that we would decrease. 
these things knowing that you're our dad, that you are our Abba Father, and that you love us and you want what's best for us. And so I pray that as we drift on the side roads, that you shape us, that you mold us, that you make us into your people. But I also pray that we get to become somebody else's breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus, that you're working. Thank you that you're moving. Thank you that you're calling us.